0: Hey, I'm glad you came back with some kindling for the fire, but whatever you do, do not leave the campsite. Ever since you've been gone, I've been seeing these tall, dark shapes moving between the trees. Dozens of them. Whatever they are, they seem scared of the light. I'm scared, but I think we can make it until morning if we keep the fire going. Wait. No. It's starting to rain. Welcome back to Unexplained Encounters. I'm your host, Darkness Prevails, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dark Prevails if you'd like to see a very scary trail cam video of a deer and some sort of unexplained creature or entity caught in the background. Today, I've got a new set of scary camping stories to make you get these shiver shakes the next time you look into the deep, dark woods. Enjoy, and don't forget to send me your scary stories at darkstories.org so I can narrate them on the show and go to eeriecast.com for more creepy podcasts. Now let's begin. I was followed by something for four years. From Theolite Fay. These events happened when I was between eleven and fifteen years old. I had never been one to fully believe in the paranormal. But I do accept that even if I haven't seen something strange myself, it's probably out there somewhere, waiting for me to run into it. This was one of those experiences. The first encounter I had with this entity was when I was 11 years old. I was living in the southwest United States. My friend, his dad, my dad, and I were doing an overnight camp out in one of our favorite camping spots which was located a little ways from a relatively calm river. It was secluded, but close enough to public roads we could leave quickly if we needed to. The day went smoothly, and we settled into sleep after a good hike along the river. I shared a tent with my friend, while our fathers shared another. Sleeping on campouts has always been difficult for me, so I was the last one to fall asleep. I think I fell asleep sometime around 11pm, I woke up in the middle of the night suddenly i looked at my watch it said 2am right away i wondered why i was awake that's when i heard something moving around outside the tent no problem i thought it's just my father or my friend's father moving around probably had to go relieve themselves that thought was quickly wiped from my mind however as i heard the movement continue with no sound of a tent zipper or tent fabric. Naturally, as an 11-year-old with an overactive imagination, I quickly hunkered down into my sleeping bag, terrified of what it could be. That's when the entity yipped. If you're familiar with coyotes, you know they don't really howl, but they let out a series of yips and whines. This was the sound the entity made and continued to make a series of yips and whines followed by snuffling and more movement around the tent. Surprisingly, my friend did not wake up, nor did I hear anyone stirring about in the other tent. Whatever this thing was, it was snuffling and walking right next to the tent wall, occasionally yipping loudly. Normally, when coyotes make these calls, they're answered by other coyotes but nothing else responded to this thing's calls or whines. Eventually, the sounds stopped, though, and at some point I managed to fall asleep. The next morning, I was the first one up and out of the tents. I had to see if I could find anything that would show there was a coyote outside of the tent the previous night. I looked for anything I could think of. Paw prints, shed hair, even scat but there was nothing within a 100-foot radius of our campsite, not even paw prints in the soft soil near the tents, nor in the sand on the riverbank. When I asked my friend and our fathers if they'd heard anything the previous night, they all replied that they had slept soundly, and they hadn't heard a thing. After another search, none of us found anything coyote-related either, though my friend did find a human footprint in the sand along the riverbank. No, it wasn't a shoe print. It was a bare human footprint. We packed up camp and left after breakfast, and nothing else of note happened. A day later, however, there was a massive summer storm. The river near the campsite flooded, completely wiping out the spot where we had camped two days prior. At the time, I thought this was simply a coincidence. However, my second experience with this entity changed my mind. The second experience with this thing happened about a year after the first. I was 12 years old then, still living in the same area. It was another summer night, and I'd taken to sleeping on the covered balcony of our house where I could use the night breeze to stay cool. I'd gone to bed early that night, tired after a long day outside. But I woke up in the middle of the night around 1am. I felt very uneasy for some reason. That's when I heard the yipping again, that familiar yipping, and once again it had no responses and no other calls, just that solitary yipping of what should have been a single coyote. This time, however, I decided I wanted to see what was out there for myself before it had a chance to disappear. The balcony faced the front of the house thankfully in the same direction as that yipping. I looked out of the wire screen that covered the balcony window in the direction of the sounds and where I assumed the entity would be. What I saw was anything but a coyote. It crouched on two legs, and from my vantage point, I could roughly guess it was about the size of a grown man hunched over. In the darkness, I couldn't make out anything beyond the rough humanoid shape of the entity. It never looked up towards the balcony window, just shambled along before disappearing behind a row of houses, yipping every so often. That night, I wasn't able to go back to sleep. The following day was miserably wet and stormy. These weather conditions were nearly identical to that of the storm after the previous encounter. I didn't have another encounter for another 3 years after that. My final encounter with this entity happened when I was 15. I say final encounter, but for all I know this creature is still out there, still following me. Anyway, by this time I was living in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. One day I'd gotten off the bus and I was walking back towards my house when I noticed movement at the edge of the road on the opposite side of where I stood. When I looked up, I locked eyes with a coyote. Normally, from my experience, wild animals avoid eye contact as much as possible, and making eye contact is typically a surefire way to agitate them. Quickly, I broke eye contact, still keeping an eye on the animal. But my gaze kept coming back to its eyes They looked like a normal coyote's eyes, but there was something more than just the regular canine intelligence in them. The coyote stared at me, unmoving, for what seemed like hours, but was only a few minutes, before it turned around and loped off away from the road. I waited until I couldn't see it anymore, before I started walking again, heading home, That night, there was a thunderstorm that shook the house violently with every thunderclap, and the wind was strong enough to push the trees that sat behind our house to their breaking point. When I woke up the next morning, I found that a tree had fallen diagonally across our yard, missing the corner of the house where my bedroom was by only a few feet. To this day, I still don't know if the entity I encountered was anything strange or if it was just a string of bizarre coincidences. Anyone who knows about coyotes knows they live pretty much everywhere in the United States, so they're not uncommon. But I know what I saw, and I don't think the storms after every encounter are just coincidences. Was this entity trying to warn me? Was it bringing the storms with it? Some part of me wants to meet this entity again, no matter what it might be, just so I can get some sort of closure, get closer to figuring out what it was. I don't think I'll ever know, but to this day, whenever I hear a coyote call, I immediately associate it with the sound and smell of rain. I stared death in the eyes. From anonymous. This happened 13 years ago. I was 33, living alone in Montana. I am a hunter, like my father and his father, so I've had my experiences with animals. On the morning in question, I planned to go on a camping trip by myself. The spot I'd planned to go to was deep into the woods at a remote campsite. I drank a mug of coffee packed my bags, and grabbed my belt, which had a 500 Magnum in its holster. I called my brother and asked him to come pick up my dog and take her back to his place. Then I was on my way. Nothing much happened on the drive there, although when I got to the trail, everything was silent. I assumed it was because i just pulled in, so I continued to the path. The entire hike, I never heard a bird, a bug, or even the rustling of branches. It was all just silence. After around two hours of this, I was officially on edge. I kept my hand on my gun because, honestly, I felt as if I was being stalked by some kind of predator. After three hours of my hike, I came to the campsite. As I was setting up my tent, the sounds of nature resumed and I felt relieved. To say this campsite was beautiful would be an understatement. It was on a ridge overlooking the small town I lived in. I threw my bag in the tent and I began to unpack. Suddenly, all at once, everything went silent again. It wasn't quiet for long. The silence was soon broken by the sounds of the trees knocking against each other in the wind. I set up my sleeping bag, and when I left the tent, I took a can of beans out of my food bag, then put the rest in a tree. That's when I heard a twig snap around 20 feet into the woods. I turned around, my hand on my gun, and watched the forest. Still and unmoving, I saw nothing. I sighed and shrugged my shoulders, trying to relieve some tension. As I tried to start a fire to cook my food, I heard rustling, followed by frantic but massive footsteps. I pulled out my gun and once again I turned around. The iron sights were aimed at the center mass of what I can only describe was a demon. What I was looking at had the legs and horns of a goat and stood on two feet. It had a brown, hairy body and human-looking arms, but I swear, its face was like that of a kangaroo, and its eyes emanated pure malice. It inched closer to me from the woods, and I fired a shot into the air, trying to scare it. In response to that, the creature screamed, sounding more like a fox a deer's mating call, and the most painful, blood-curdling human scream I'd ever heard, all mixed into one. I blinked, and the thing was soon right in front of me. Its snout was nearly touching me. Those yellow, almost lizard-like eyes were stabbing right into my soul. I felt that if I moved, it would kill me. I don't know how, It was this feeling that dominated me. I slowed my breathing, and as I did, the creature pushed me to the ground. Without breaking eye contact, I jumped back up and stood there. It came up to me again and screamed. This scream seemed to shake the entire forest. In response, I threw my hands up and screamed back. It just kept staring at me, toying with me. I put my gun directly to its throat and screamed again, Back off! Off. It still stood there, so I pulled the trigger. As my ears rang, I screamed again, and I watched the creature run back into the woods. I began to quickly pack up my things, and whenever I looked up, I saw it staring at me, now from a distance. This terrifying thing followed me down the path all the way to my motorcycle. I sped out of there, at least going 30 miles per hour over the speed limit. I heard it scream one last time as I got onto the main road that leads to the town I live in. To be truthful with you, something in me wants me to go back. I want to see if I can kill that thing hang its head on my mantle. But I do not think it would end well. Now I've got a wife and two kids, and I can't afford to just throw my life away, hunting some forest demon. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? This story takes place in the summer of 2012. I was 13 years old at the time. I lived out in the country in a small farm town in central Illinois. Our home was surrounded by tall cornfields all summer long, until it was time for harvest. The corn never really bothered me, considering I'd grown up around it my whole life. But this summer was different. I was the only one of my friends who lived in the country, so naturally, they would always want to come to my house because there was more for us kids to do. I'd always been the outdoorsy type, and so was my best friend Max. During that particular summer, Max was over at my house a lot. We would do things like walk down to the creek and do some fishing, go swimming in our pool, have bonfires, build shelters out in the back and usually, when it got dark, we'd go inside into my room and play video games. This particular time I'm talking about was different, though. We decided to do something we didn't normally do. That weekend, we would camp in the backyard with our little two-person tent and a small fire pit. My parents' property was not huge, but it did have a decent-sized backyard and loads of trees. Since we were too young to do any real camping, this was our only option. This way, we could pretend the backyard was the forest, and if anything went wrong or we got scared, we could just walk up the property to the house and give up if we felt like it. Not that we planned on doing that, though. That evening, after setting up our little campsite and cooking some food over the fire, we eventually got tired and decided to go to bed early. Usually, I would be too creeped out to do this by myself. But my buddy Max was with me, and I also had my dog, who, funnily enough, was also named Max. Confusing, right? Anyway, we were in the backyard. Now, my parents' bedroom had a large sliding glass door and balcony that came off the back of the house, so I knew my parents would occasionally peer out to check on us throughout the night. This gave me a bit of comfort. Once in the tent, we lay down in our sleeping bags to get comfortable. My dog stayed outside the tent and roamed the yard as he normally did. He was an outside dog after all. I don't remember much after that, not until the weirdness went down. Once we fell asleep, we must have stayed asleep for a good while. I don't remember really waking up much or tossing and turning. Then again, this was years ago, so small details like that are far from my mind. Now, this is where the creepiness takes place. Randomly, I just woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of my dog barking hysterically. His barks sounded mean and vicious. He was not happy about whatever he saw, which wasn't like him at all. My dog was usually a gentle boy, He rarely barked at cars or strangers as it was, so this really caught me off guard. As I slowly woke up and rubbed my eyes, I noticed what my dog was barking at, even from the tent. Because I didn't see it, I heard it. Some strange erratic whistling seemed to be coming from no particular direction. It was so loud too, it was definitely human whistling. No animal sounds like this, At least, not to my knowledge. It was such a weird whistle, although human, it didn't have any specific rhythm or pattern to it. It was just so odd sounding. If I had to guess, this whistling sounded as if it was a beckoning call, most likely for my dog. Honestly, even though this could have been my dad pulling a prank, it freaked me out pretty bad in that moment. However. It only got much worse. I promptly woke up my buddy Max. It took many shakes and shouts to finally get him to wake up, but once he did, I didn't even have to say a word. He heard the whistling immediately, and we both looked at each other in silent terror. My second instinct after waking my buddy up was to check my phone. It was 3am. That's the witching hour, according to some. Me, being a believer in the supernatural, knew this, as did my buddy. I didn't even have to say anything. I just showed him the time, and he looked at me even more freaked out. What is that? Max asked. I don't know, dude, I replied. Max suggested I call my dad to see if it was him doing all that whistling. So I did. The phone rang about three times, and finally my dad picked up the phone, sounding groggy. He asked, What, son? I'm trying to sleep. To my horror, even as my dad spoke through the phone, the whistling never stopped, nor did the barking. I knew then, it couldn't be my dad. I asked if my mom was in bed with him. To this, he replied, Yes, why? Dad, there's somebody on our property whistling, and the dog's barking like crazy. We're really scared. All my dad said was, It's probably a bird. I was angry that he was so quick to shut me down, not even trying to listen for himself. Come back to the house then. What do you want me to do? I hung up then. He wasn't going to help us. If we stayed out here... That meant possibly dealing with whatever that thing or person is. I told my buddy we had to book it back to the house, to which he replied, well let's go then, hurry, I'm not staying out here. So I unzipped the tent as fast as I could, and we both went sprinting quickly back to the house. As we ran, I finally could tell what direction the whistling was coming from. It was coming from the west side of the property, from the cornfields. I didn't dare look in that direction. I just ran. As we got to the back door, I finally saw my dog. He was still barking in that general direction. He was close against the house, keeping his distance from that thing. I swung the door open, and we got inside as fast as we could. For a few seconds, I stood at the door, calling for my dog to come back in the house with us. He wouldn't listen though, he just kept barking. After getting frustrated and fearful for his life, I ran out to grab him by his collar so I could drag him inside myself. Just as I did this, the whistling seemed to get closer. This thing was coming in closer towards us. As I reached my dog, he suddenly decided to bolt past me and towards whatever that thing was in a violent manner. Whatever it was, my dog was now full sprint after this thing, chasing it. I yelled his name once more, before slamming the back door and locking it. I was afraid my dog would be attacked, or possibly killed, but we had to save ourselves. As we got into the safety of the house, we made sure all the doors were locked. My dad came down then to talk to us, and we explained to him what happened. For some reason, my dad seemed to think it was ridiculous and that we had imagined the whole thing. Of course, this made us furious. Go listen then, we encouraged him. We watched as my dad went over to a window and opened it up to listen outside. Nothing. The noises had stopped. No whistling. No barking. My dad. Thinking that he proved his point, went back to bed, suggesting that we do the same. But we couldn't. We were terrified. We were worried about my dog, too. We decided to go online, looking up noises that might match what we heard. But nothing at all sounded like it. At a certain point, we finally decided to rationalize for the sake of falling asleep that night. We just told ourselves it was some coyotes, but we knew it wasn't that, deep down. The following day, my parents went off to work. Max and I were there home alone, and we decided to go out looking for my dog. Almost immediately after going outside, we found him. He was running around, happy as ever, looking totally normal, no injuries whatsoever. We decided whatever it was, he must have chased it off. Being a lot less afraid now, and it being daytime, and that thing seeming to be gone, we pulled out the dirt bikes from the garage and went riding around the property. Everything was going great until I came around the corner on one of our usual routes. I saw my friend Max stopped in the middle of the track. He was still on his bike, but it was turned off now, and he signaled for me to do the same. I shut off my engine, and I asked him what was wrong. To this, he looked at me with big eyes. I, I heard it again, he said, and he pointed at the nearby cornfield. I thought he was messing with me, but I could tell after my second time asking him about this, he wasn't. He was truly terrified, and now so was I. Needless to say, we spent the rest of the day indoors. I never did see the thing, only heard it, but I think maybe that's for the best. I'm 23 now, I've got a wife and daughter, and I don't live there anymore, so I've never heard it again, not even the rest of the time I lived there before moving out. I hope I never do hear it again, to be honest. I thought it was a deer. From Anonymous. I've always been a lover of the paranormal and supernatural. It's been a special interest of mine. It's something I've poured my heart into, and I've spent hours researching to learn more about. Now, when I was in sixth grade, we had an essay to write. We could do anything we wanted, just so long as we did research and told a lot on the topic. My classmates went with stories of fishing or making things, you know, normal sixth grade topics. I, of course, went the supernatural route. I chose to research skinwalkers. Ever since seeing an episode of a paranormal investigative show where they went to Skinwalker Canyon, I'd been amazed by the idea of these creatures. I spent hours looking into folklore, learning all I could. My final essay ended up being around 12 pages long, and I was incredibly proud. My classmates thought it was a little weird of me to do this, and some teachers were worried, but it never ended up causing me any trouble. It was rather ironic that I chose this for my essay, seeing as how the information I learned did nothing to help me realize what happened to me that July. The summer between 6th and 7th grade We were moving houses. We weren't going very far, just about 15 minutes away, so we could be closer to my grandmother. The house we lived in at the time was surrounded by dense woods, which my younger brother and I had always spent much of our time in. We didn't have much property, but we did have a nice area of the forest to run around in and explore. We knew almost every square inch of the land, Back then, I loved the outdoors, and I would play out there for hours at a time. I felt comfortable out there, especially when I had my dogs with me. My house sat on a very small hill, and we had a small porch on the backside, looking out into the woods. It was just big enough to hold our grill, or maybe a few camping chairs, and I would often stand out there at dusk, listening to the sounds of the forest at night. The tree line was about 20 yards away from there, and the angle made it so whoever was on the porch would be a good 6 or 7 feet above the ground at the tree line. One night in July, I was standing out there as usual. I'd been sitting there, reading one of my favorite books, and just relaxing. I was around 12 years old at the time, and I had a very short attention span. Once I was done reading, I got to my feet and leaned against the railing, looking out into the trees. After a few moments, I realized I could hear something walking around in the woods. Since we lived so close to the forest, we often got deer that walked through, sometimes coming right up to our house if we were silent enough. Naturally, I went quiet, waiting for a deer to come out of the bushes. Sure enough, After about 30 seconds, I saw a pale, slender shape stepping out from the brush. There was a brief moment of excitement to see such a pretty creature before my enthusiasm was replaced by confusion. This deer didn't look quite right. Its neck was just a little too long and its limbs seemed thin and spindly. It shouldn't be able to stand on legs that thin. Surely, it would have collapsed from the weight of its own body. But somehow, it was perfectly steady on its hooves as it walked towards me. I felt no fear yet, just confusion and fascination. As it got closer and closer, I realized that no deer should be this close to a human being. It looked directly at me, and I knew it was aware of my presence. With the thrill of terror, I realized maybe this deer had rabies or was sick. There was no way the deer could get on the porch with me, but I still slowly backed away from the railing, going inside and locking the door behind me. I thought about it for a moment, then shrugged it off, deciding this was just a, uh, a sick deer. I told my mother about the deer, worried for our dogs or my brother. I didn't want them to get attacked by it or possibly get whatever made that deer sick. My mother immediately went on alert and kept my brother and the dogs inside for the next few days. We moved away that week, though it wasn't related to the sighting of the sickly animal. I never saw that deer again or another one like it. It's been several years since the encounter, and I'd forgotten about it until a few nights ago. My interest in the paranormal has remained with me, and I've continued to look into these creatures. I was searching through the cryptid tags on an app, and I found videos of creatures called not deer. Immediately interested, I searched up these beings, and after looking at the information for a few moments, the memories of that night in July came back to me. It was starting to make sense to me. The deer's appearance and behavior perfectly matched the stereotypical behavior of not deer. The story that I thought I made up with my 12-year-old imagination had actually been true. I was rather embarrassed for not realizing what this creature was until all these years later considering how much I'd looked into these folklore beings. However, I decided to ignore the embarrassment and share my story instead. If I see another creature like this, I'll be sure to share more. In the days since realizing what my encounter was, I found myself looking into the woods more, wondering if I'll see a pair of big eyes staring back. Don't visit Pripyat. From Silver Bullet 54. In 2020, I went to Europe with four friends. We chose to visit the Ukrainian town of Pripyat. Before we went, we made sure to get clearance and also get Geiger counters to make sure we were in a safe zone. We figured one day in couldn't hurt as long as we stayed together. So we decided that we would explore camp, pack up, and leave. Sadly, I wish it had been that easy. When we first arrived, my friend Kevin mentioned how silent and eerie it was. We saw the clocks at 11.55, then saw the abandoned amusement park. midride bumper cars, a creaking ferris wheel, and an uncanny stillness was all that was left. It was like a giant void had opened up, and sucked away all the people that once lived here. Our counters were showing very low levels of radiation, which was a good sign, but we knew if any of us began feeling strange, we were to book it out of there immediately. Now, a friend of mine, Brandon, had mentioned that the animals around here had been horribly affected, and believe it or not, we saw a wolf skulking around the area alone. We kept our distance and watched it, And when it turned towards us we quickly averted our eyes to avoid challenging it but when i happened to glance towards it for one moment i saw just what was wrong with its eyes now i'm no scientist or zoologist so i don't know if the radiation caused it but the wolf's eyes had gone completely white i couldn't tell the cornea iris and pupil apart even though i figured it was blind It was clearly sniffing around so i'm sure it could have smelled us fortunately he seemed to sense five cents and left without attacking brandon then said let's go set up camp in one of those buildings i'm not sure what it is but i feel like something doesn't want us here the other three were feeling uneasy as well and i was still on edge after that wolf encounter We all soon found an empty building with very little radiation, and a roof to sleep under. I won't forget what happened next, though. Before I go on, I'll tell you now that I suffered no headaches, I did not feel lightheaded, and I had experienced no nausea, vomiting, or any other ill effects. So the radioactivity wasn't what caused this, it wasn't a hallucination. I woke up with a start when I heard a weird moaning sound. It was like a lawnmower that was about to die. I was about to ask anyone else in the group if they heard that, but all four were already sitting up and listening. Okay, I said. We can all confirm we just heard that. Brandon swallowed and replied, I think I know what doesn't want us here. He then pointed behind my friend Grant. We all looked and screamed like we were trying to raise the dead. There stood a person. They were about six and a half feet tall with bead red skin. They had two completely red eyes, and what appeared to be a new vestigial deformed limb protruding from their left arm. I then asked, does radiation even do that? The other four just ran with their things, and I quickly followed. When I looked back, the man was just standing there, swaying and groaning as if he couldn't control his own movements and behavior. As soon as we got back home, Brandon left to see his parents, while Grant and I confirmed that what we saw was a possible victim of radiation. Kevin and Maria, the other two, refused to talk about it, And I never brought this up again until now. So if you go to Pripyat, I suggest you keep your eyes and ears open. The radiation is still there. And some people either couldn't or wouldn't leave. He might run into an unfortunate radiation victim. So in all honesty, maybe it's not the best place to go. You can pay in the morning from Mrs. Trash Panda. This is a story from my grandparents and my aunt. When my family goes camping, my grandpa can sleep anywhere, literally. But the second he tells you to pack it up and get out of there, you listen. You pack your things and you get back in the car. If I recall correctly, my grandparents and my aunt, who was around seven or eight at the time, we were on their way down to Tennessee to pick up my mom and uncle, who had gone down there with friends for a vacation. While it was getting late into the afternoon, my grandparents pulled into a gas station up in the mountains of Tennessee. As a side note, I think it was somewhere near Gatlinburg. They liked to sightsee a lot, so it wasn't unusual for them to go out of their way during a trip. They asked if there was a campground nearby so they could sleep for the night. The lady at the counter of the gas station told them there was a gated campground about five miles down the road. Of course, my grandpa said okay, and drove down those five miles. At this point, my grandma was getting very uneasy. She asked my grandpa if he was sure this is where they wanted to stay. He said yes, I'd assume he was probably tired of driving at that point, and didn't mind where they stayed. They pulled up to the gate and it was closed. There was a sign up that said, welcome, help yourself, and you can pay at the office in the morning. My grandpa had my grandma get out and open the gate. He pulled the camper through and my grandma closed the gate back up. She got in the truck and they drove down a huge hill. When they made it to the bottom, they found a campsite and parked the camper and started to get things ready for the evening. Now, this is the part that turned the whole trip for them into something ominous. As my grandma got everything set up and started cooking dinner, she looked up and she saw my aunt playing around outside while my grandpa was pacing up and down the length of the campsite. She said he just kept mumbling to himself. Finally, he grabbed my aunt, put her in the camper, and told my grandma in a panicked voice, to stop and pack everything up. He said they needed to leave immediately. Of course, this confused my grandma, but she listened anyway and packed things up. She got my aunt and everything settled back in. My grandma asked my grandpa what was going on and he replied, We can't sleep here. We have to leave. So he started the truck up and basically floored it up the huge hill with the camper. They came up to the gate again, and my grandma had to once again get out to open and close it. After that, they drove for about an hour before finally stopping at a very well-lit truck stop. The next day when they reached their destination, they told their friends that they had stopped at this campground that was gated. I guess this shook my grandpa because when one of their friends exclaimed that people had gone missing in that exact area, My grandpa began thanking God for having the instincts he had. When they got home to Michigan, they'd found out that over the past two weeks alone, eight people had gone missing from that exact area, and they had nearly stayed the night there. Thank God my grandpa had a bad feeling and listened to it. My Experience with the Wendigo from Love Malfoy 5858. I live in New Jersey. This took place when I was around 10 or 12. Our school had organized a camping trip to the Bass River State Forest. Of course, being the adventurous kid I was, I instantly signed up. The day on which the trip was organized was in the winter. So we bundled up in cozy winter clothes before going on the three-day camping trip. The trip started like any other. We got on the bus, teachers assigned us in groups, and all that stuff. We got off the bus with our camping gear and immediately sat to work. While we worked, however, I had this strange feeling that I was being watched. I brushed it off thinking, there's nothing wrong with that, there's lots of animals out here after all. As soon as I had this thought, a howl of some sort resounded from the woods all around me. Startled, I dropped the hammer I was holding, to hammer pegs. The noise had startled me as even though my friend said it was nothing, it sounded more human than animal, but with still some traces of wolf in it. It's hard to explain, it was so bizarre. I pushed the occurrence to the back of my mind and I tried to enjoy the trip. Nothing besides that really happened on the first day. On the evening of the second day, we all lit a fire as it was cold. We were having a really good time, toasting marshmallows and singing songs. A few hours passed and the fire began to dwindle. We all went out in different directions in the woods to cover more ground, searching for more kindling. I had chosen to go through the most scary looking part of the forest, as like I said, I was adventurous. I had been picking up sticks for nearly 10 minutes before realizing the forest was quiet. Too quiet. This silence was deafening. I suddenly heard a twig snap near the tree line. I jumped in shock and looked around for the source of the noise. I called out to see if anyone was there. But then, my voice seemed to echo. Seemed to. Anybody there? I say this because my echo sounded much more disturbing. Much more... Inhuman. I got scared, dropping all the sticks I was carrying, and ran for my life. Behind me, I could hear twigs snapping. I never felt so terrified. I ran for a few minutes and the twig snapping seemed to have stopped. I turned back to see. That was a big mistake. What I saw will be forever etched into my mind. A huge wolf, standing on two legs, with what appeared to be antlers, was looking down at me, and I swear it looked as if it was smiling. I saw rows of razor-sharp teeth that could tear through bone-like paper, I practically flew to the campsite, and only stopped when I saw my best friend Allison. When I made it to her, I cried at her feet, breaking down. She asked what was wrong, pointing towards the woods from where I came from. Then I blacked out. When I woke up the next day in my tent, with worried faces all around me, I explained to everyone that I saw a wolf. That's all I could say. I knew no one would ever believe what I actually saw. The third day, I stayed inside, terrified that I might see that awful creature again. Nowadays, I'm very wary of going into the woods, and I never stray too far anymore. If you ever encounter a creature like this, I advise you to run for your life as well. Abandoned Racetrack From Anonymous I live in a semi-rural area in Vermont. It's quite peaceful, but the characters here can sometimes be unsettling. This story happened about two years ago, in 2020 as of writing this. It was June, and my friends and I were about to graduate high school. We were all set on going to graduation and hanging around after but my buddy gave us all an idea. Let's go to the racetrack my cousin told me about. It looks cool. We can party there instead of going to graduation. We had all collectively decided that we were gonna go. The day of the trip, we spent our time getting food, drinks, and whatever else we needed to have a good time. Around 2.30 p.m., we headed out to said racetrack. It was about an hour or so away from where we all lived, so we didn't mind the drive. On the way there, my friend drops the haul on us. Hey, this racetrack is abandoned. Not sure what's in it, but there's supposedly people in the basement. We all chuckled at this, brushing off the idea of people being held up in some abandoned racetrack. Upon our arrival, we noticed the place was massive. We parked around the basement entrance, for easy escape if needed. We got unpacked and headed to the top floor. On our way in, we noticed a pillar with the words, welcome to hell, run, spray painted on it. We thought that was weird for sure, but we pushed forward. We soon made it to the third floor and we noticed we couldn't go up any further due to a collapse on the top floor. We all set up camp on the third floor and the partying began. After we all got a decent buzz going, we decided to explore the place by playing Manhunt. Mind you, this whole place was only lit by the moon, so it was pitch black in there. Me and a close friend of mine, named Susan, were finding the rest of my friends first. We started in the basement. When we entered the basement, the most foul stench hit me. It was like old books and decomposed dead things. We got farther into the basement when we began to hear feet shuffling. We thought this was one of our friends, so naturally, I made my way around the noise to surprise him and locate him. I was wrong. Fast forward a few minutes later, we noticed a mask sitting on a table. We looked at the mask and realized it was some sort of animal skin and staples made into a mask. We both thought this was disturbing and went to tell the others that we weren't alone. We got up to the second floor stairs that led to the third, when a bottle smashed next to Susan's feet. Susan screamed. I consoled her, and told her it was just our friends playing jokes on us. I looked up the stairs, and sure enough, my friend threw a bottle. He was laughing it off now. I turned in a different direction, and I nearly soiled myself. Standing at the end of the second floor were two cloaked and masked figures. I turned to Susan and immediately told her to run. That's not funny. Stop, she yelled. So I picked her up and physically made her look at what I saw. Then she screamed again. The chase was on. The cloaked figures started walking towards us. I then screamed to the rest of my friends that we were not alone in here. As Susan and I ran away, my friends came running down from a separate stairway and met us at the front entrance. It took me a minute to catch my breath and explain what I saw. After I said this, my friend goes into his truck, pulling out a 12-gauge Winchester shotgun. Even so, he says, what are you talking about, there's no way that… He was immediately interrupted by the sight of one of those figures holy crap my other friend who was with us drew his pistol and handed it to me i'll sit with susan you guys go get our stuff he said calmly two more of my friends and i went back into the racetrack we took an alternate route to the second floor stairs but on our way we noticed a door was open we all crept towards the door and noticed there was a light coming from inside. I kicked open that door. Inside, we found a pentagram with candles around it. Also around it was the mask I pointed out earlier. But what really messed with me was looking to my left, seeing the wall ripped apart. And as I took a closer look, above the huge hole in the wall were the words, Death Leap. I looked inside that wall, and to my surprise, There was a drop all the way to the basement. We quickly left that room and grabbed our things. We exited the building, but noticed 6-7 to figures dispersing from the side of it. They were leaving too, but we didn't care. We packed and drove away. On our way out, those same figures stopped walking and began to stare us down. We've never gone back there. All of us decided. To brush it off as satanic worshippers who decided to mess with me and my friends. And I hope that's all it was. Swedish Forest from Nicholas L. I'm from Denmark. My friend and I had planned a fishing trip deep into the Swedish forest. This was back in 2007. My friend, Matthias, accompanied me. We went quite deep into those woods, and we were amazed by the beautiful nature out there, not really paying enough attention to where we were or how deep we'd gone. We soon found a really nice spot to start fishing. It was this little sandy beach. We started fishing, eventually losing track of time. When, at one point, we discovered some footprints in the sand. We studied them closer and they looked like bear tracks. Now everyone always says don't run from a predator, but do you know how hard it is not to run in that situation? Well, we began to hear rustling from the bushes a few feet away from us. Matthias and I stopped in our tracks and began to listen. It was like the entire forest went silent. There we were still holding our fishing poles just staring at these bushes, trying to see what was in there, when suddenly a snout pops out of them. We jumped back, and we were about to run, when a bear emerged from those bushes. Shocked by this huge animal, which we weren't used to seeing back in Denmark, we began to step back. I noticed the bear didn't seem too interested in us, so cautiously and slowly, We trekked back towards where we came from, but as I said before, we did not pay enough attention to where we were going. Basically, we were a bit lost. The panic began to set in before long. We went around and around in those woods for what seemed like hours. What we didn't know was that the bear we encountered had decided to follow us the entire time. As soon as we realized we were being tracked, we became extremely scared. It was at that point we looked at each other and nodded our heads and began to run, despite the warnings we've heard from people before. We only looked back on occasion to see if the bear was closing in. I couldn't stop thinking about how I was going to die in some godforsaken woods a long way from home. Then two extremely loud pops ring out through the air. It was a hunter sitting in a tree on his platform, We stopped then, catching our breaths. The hunter comes down, telling us how lucky we were that he saw us in the distance, running from a bear who was right on our trail. To think we had been that close to being eaten. We explained the whole story on how we got lost. Then he led us back on the right path to our camp. I never got his name, but to dear Mr. Hunter, thank you for saving our lives. Thank you for listening to another unsettling episode of Unexplained Encounters. You can send us your story to have it narrated on the show at darkstories.org. Unexplained Encounters is an EerieCast original series. You can find other horror-themed podcasts at eeriecast.com, such as Redwood Bureau, a fictional anthology series, Freaky Folklore, a documentary-style series about myths and cryptids around the world, Destination Terror, a show about the most haunted places, and Tales from the Break Room, another show I host all about the scary things that happen to people at work. Again, that's eeriecast.com. By the way, if you want fewer annoying ads and you want to support what we do, consider going to eeriecast.com plus to sign up for Eerycast Plus. That unlocks all our podcasts with all but host red ads removed. Until next time, stay safe out there and stay creepy because this world is a strange one.